and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read all the chapters on Viz's Shonen Jump website, as well as another collected volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And to celebrate Christmas, which has not happened yet for us because of time travel, we're reading One Piece Volume 4, because that's what we want to read, One Piece. Yeah. Before that, though, we have a not quite as big as it's been Shonen Jump, but still pretty big with 21 chapters. Yep. Again, I thought it was kind of an eh issue of Shonen Jump. Like, yeah. the, the bottom is really bad, and then there's a huge jump, but then it never really jumps up from that, in my opinion. I Yeah, that, that does make sense. Nothing wowed me here. Lots of stuff was fine. <laughs> uh, shall we get right into it then, or did you have anything yep. else you wanted no. to say on it? Let's do it. All right, so we will begin with One Piece, chapter 999, the sake I brewed to drink with you. I do remember this chapter of One Piece pretty well, but it's going to be even harder for me because I pretty much always read manga and then record this podcast. But for the first time ever, I have recorded a podcast in between reading all the manga and recording this podcast. So Mm -hmm. my podcast brain is all over the place. Uh, What did you think of this chapter, though, Kevin? I liked this chapter. It it had some, some good stuff in it. I just remembered the thing that I thought was kind of interesting was Queen's, like, mouth cannon thing that he had as a dinosaur like it's totally not explained it's just he has a cannon coming out of his mouth for some reason i was like that that seems cool sounds like a one piece character yep we get a bit of a flashback to when ace was here although it doesn't take up even this whole chapter so that was nice yeah it's basically just ace showed up kaido wasn't there yamato was they hung out and we find out that Kaido is planning to drop his castle right in the middle of the town on top of the festival. And it looks like the samurai are dead. We'll see. At least down, if not dead. Nobody dies in one piece, but also no one ever gets their arm cut off. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I, I also like the stuff with Otaba and Nami, where Otaba's like, yeah, Luffy's an idiot and couldn't pr- gently break the news to me that Ace was dead. And Nami's like, no, he was just ripping off the Band-Aid. He, if Luffy is literally Ace's brother. Nobody yeah. took that news harder than L- Monkey D. Luffy. Yeah. Especially because he was there. <laughs> yeah. Like, sure, he wasn't conscious at the time, but he was like, I was there. I fucking had him in my arms. And <laughs> yeah. then he got and then he died. Like maybe maybe Whitebeard if Whitebeard wasn't immediately murdered. True. I also did find this chapter thematically interesting in that Ace is telling Yamato, like, hey, just because he's your, he, your dad doesn't mean anything. When we also get some Whitebeard flashbacks, and we know that Ace hated his biological father, but considered Ace his actual dad. So that's kind of an interesting parallel. Yeah, that makes sense. And we get some stuff with the Whitebeard pirates being like, yeah, we should just, like, go to Wano and fuck it up. And Whitebeard would be like, yeah, if, if uh, Odin couldn't handle it, you guys can't. Yeah, which is what prompted Ace to go the first time, mm-hmm. when clearly he didn't manage to save it. Yep. Anything else you want to say on One Piece this week? No. That brings us to My Hero Academia number 295, Tenacious. And you know Horikoshi is a Marvel guy, because he gave Superman a spider sense. <laughs> yes. Deku's new power is he can sense danger, which is a little bit Dragon Ball Z sensing power levels, but mostly spider sense. Mostly. I like this uh, chapter fairly well. It really conformed to the themes of My Hero, but I didn't think a lot happened. It's basically just one for all, ki- or all for one kind of takes over Tomura, and Deku's like, oh, in that moment, I thought you needed saving, which is 
powerful moment for Deku and super on theme, but nothing new or super exciting. Yeah, I still, I really liked it because this, like, the whole time One for All has kind of been being like, yeah, I'm going to let Tomura be, you know, the next supervillain, except he's not. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that aspect. And I, I did really love when Deku was like, oh, do I need to save Tomura? Yeah. Like I said, I think thematically it's super powerful, and it's a really good way to end this arc. Mm-hmm. But like, it's kind of distracted by Deku suddenly getting spider sense. He seems to be rushing to give Deku all these powers. Yeah. In one arc, he's gotten, I guess, only two, but it feels like three. Yeah. I mean, technically, he got float. Didn't he get float earlier? Yeah, but he never used it. So. Yes. We see it in flashbacks he got it earlier, but... Yeah, so this is... So he they showed that he's learned how to use float in this one, and then he's got danger sense, but hasn't mastered it yet. And he did master the Black Tendrils in that short training arc with Endeavor, but this is the first time he's really used that, too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I tend to trust uh, Horikoshi on this sort of stuff. Like, I was kind of disappointed when Deku got full cowling because the, like, breaking his body to progress in fights was super interesting to me but i think he did pick the moment right before it would have gotten wrote to move deku along yeah so maybe that's true here but it seems like there's a lot more you can do with each new quirk there is but there was also uh i think it was a tweet that he said that uh, my hero might be ending sooner than people think yeah i remember that i'm not thinking that he's saying oh yeah it's going to end soon but he's probably going along the lines of like, yeah, I'm not going to be Odai and have mm-hmm. this story go on for 20 years. Sorry. And I had similar thoughts of he doesn't want to devote each quirk its own story. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of reasonable. But in that case, don't give him seven powers, I kind of feel. Like, make more of those people, people who didn't have quirks. Yeah, that would have been nice. I'm also a little sad that there wasn't too much devoted to Float. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like... That should have been a power, like, all right, sure, you don't want to put a backstory to all the powers. You should probably put a backstory to that one. I mean, we know some of the backstory, but it's like, I would really like to know more about All for One's mentor. It certainly got more than Danger Sense has so far, but also Danger Sense just got introduced to this chapter, so there's plenty of time to dig into that. There's also the Ochiko Deku connection that Float, like, enables, like, more interaction there. And again, they did touch on that a little bit, but... Like you said, I would not have at all minded seeing more of that. And maybe we will, because it it's still a kind of a kind of a mystery and it that ties into Tomura and One for All and like all of that ties together. So it definitely could come out more backstory into float. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it's a little too early to analyze this arc because I think there's more denouement to go, but Yeah, probably a little bit but not too much. So that will bring us, if you have nothing else to say on My Hero, I'm good. to Mashal, Magic and Muscles, Chapter 44, and The Home Visit. What did you think of this chapter of Mashal, Kevin? I thought it was pretty fun. Nothing amazing. We're still kind of shifting into the new arc, but I did, I laughed a little bit. Like, it was a, a pretty funny, you know, home visit. Yeah, this is not as good as the highs Mashal has had, but it certainly is trending back up, in my opinion. Yes. 
I like the conceit, like the bit where all his friends go to his house and the one who I can't remember who's the Naruto parody is like, we're not just friends, we're rivals. And his dad's like, oh, he even has a rival. (laughs) (laughs) I really love with Lemon when she's like, hi, I'm his future fiance. He was like, I'm his future wife. He has a fiance already. She's like, we haven't even held hands yet. Yeah. This is kind of going places. It could just be a two, three chapter arc, but mercenaries are hired to take out Mashal. And I do like the discussion where he's like, I only take interesting jobs. This is like a kid. He's like, yeah, he beat the prefect of the not Slytherin. And he's like, yeah, like that is kind of impressive. But, you know, it's he's a student and he's like, and he goes without magic. And he's like, oh. Oh. Yeah, he like drops his food because he was eating. Yeah, I did like that. Like, you know, he beat Abel. All right, that's uh, that's that's pretty good. You know, like I could beat Abel, but you know, he was one of the divine visionary candidates. Like that that is impressive. Oh yeah, he did it without magic. Um, I'm extremely interested now. Or what is that DiCaprio quote? Like, uh, you you had my attention. Interest now, you have my attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the end joke really got me. It's one that Mashal uses all the times, but when Lance like kind of intercepts the guy to fight, and then the others are like, let's play some board games, and they're all doing their dumb, like, yappos. Yes. Like I said, Mashal ends with that a lot, but this one actually really got me. Yeah, I also like Lance being silly of, uh, <laughs> Lance intercepts them. I was in the neighborhood. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the first time it was like, alright, you're at, like, they're, everyone's at school, that sort of makes sense, but it's like, wh- why would you be out here? <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> in the woods at this random dude's house. Yeah. So, like I said, it wasn't amazing, but a pretty weak Shonen Jump, but I definitely think it's trending back up. Yeah. That will bring us to We Never Learn, final question, an X future. The worst part of this chapter was at the end, when it said the end. Yes. But... Overall, I really liked it, especially the, you know, like, yeah, I know I said we ended everything, but here's route six out of five. Yeah, and it's only one chapter, and it is kind of just like a soft send-off. Like, it's a flashback to right after the Skull Festival, and all the girls are kind of like, oh, man, like, what does this mean? I've been having these fantasies that are my respective ending. Yeah. It's cute, but it's not quite what I wanted. I certainly had fun with it. I like the bit where we find out that Yuki is uh, Yugi's dad is the one who made up the legend of the fireworks. Yeah, that's really nice. Because that's how most of those school legends go anyway. Some person mm-hmm. starts a rumor and it just takes off. So I really like the close circle on that. I think this was fine for the harem ending. I honestly yeah, yeah. think take, like this was the correct level of going for it. As opposed it's to more like, heartfelt than it could have been for sure. Of like the full comedy, like Tenchi style. Yeah. They're all on him. Yeah. I wasn't upset with it, but like it didn't get the like huge ending boost that a lot of series get for me. I did enjoy it. I I agree with you. I think it was a good place to end. As a final chapter, it's pretty good, but it's just a consequence of the way he chose to end it by going for five different endings. Yeah. That this one doesn't feel better than any of those. That makes sense. Except the Furuhashi one, which sucked. Yeah. But... While I'm sad to see it go, I was glad we got another entire, basically entire year out of We Never Learn, so. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Except that Furuhashi story, which sucked. Really, really enjoyed four of those five routes. I still think the first one's the best, but we've talked a lot about why that is. 
and I, I'm not like, oh, we shouldn't have even bothered with the other ones because I'm glad we got them all. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say on it? It's We're kind of glossing over it when it's the ending, but I feel like I've said my entire piece on it. Yeah, same. Already. That brings us to Ayakashi Triangle, Chapter 26, An Encounter with Him. Ayakashi Triangle's got to be the new we'd ever learn, right? <laughs> like, like, not saying, like, uh, if you're picking something, it has to be. I'm like, that, that's the shoes it has to grow into. Yes. In to being a shonen battle at manga. I really like this chapter. Yeah, it was really actually. good. Like, I like that Lou's relationship with Matsuri is very interesting. Yes. I love that, like, she, like, tries to summon a UFO and male Matsuri appears because, I can't remember his name, the king of Ayakashi. Shirogane. Yeah, Shirogane has taken his form to tease Suzu and is also drunk on catnip. catnip. And he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. If I'm taking this form, then like regular people can see me. Yeah. And Lou is like, ah, yeah, he must have been trying to communicate with me in my dreams. But he's real. Yep. And he makes up a name that's like Matsurgane or something for who he is. And now Lou has a crush on him. And I love the little bit where Susie's like uh, shaking the real Matsuri. Like, why are you putting the moves on Lou? <laughs> yeah, and Matsuri's like, uh, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good little chapter. Anything else you want to say on it? No. That brings us to Dr. Stone Z equals 179. Bonds on the high wire. I like this chapter okay. It's pretty standard Dr. Stone. They, they're they trying to go for like a big shonen moment here, but I don't feel like that really suits Dr. Stone super well, and it kind of not falls on its face, but it doesn't land the way I think the writers want it to. Probably. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. Where they're like, oh man, Hyoga has the perfect chance to betray us, but then he doesn't. He's shonen friendships them instead. Yeah, I, it's good, but I, I do agree. It doesn't, especially because... It's not that I forget that Hugo's there, but like the really big shonen moment would have landed if they had like constantly been worried about mm-hmm. Hugo betraying them. And then he like, oh, oh crap, you know, we've been worried for 10 chapters that he's going to screw us over. And then it turns out, oh no, he didn't. Like that would have been a much bigger shonen moment. So, yeah. Which is not really the way Dr. Stone is constructed anyway. No. But I agree with you. Yeah. Like, it works fine. It was a fairly good chapter, I would agree. But they probably were hoping for something a bit more like, oh my god, I can't believe he did that, versus the actual reaction of, no, that makes sense. Actually, nothing happened. I, I think also, I you know, I will take any opportunity to compliment Boichi's artwork, but I don't think he's suited to horror. And what you need for this moment to land on short notice is to make Hyoga look terrifying and then have him. Yes. portray the expectations that the art sets up, whereas he just looks like Hyuga. That's fair. Yep, I agree with that. Shall we move along? Sure. Alrighty, last one we are going to be talking about in depth is Hardboiled Cop and Dolphin, Depth 24, Sunken Ruins. What did you think of this one, Kevin? I'm excited. There's This is basically set up, but we get a little bit of backstory into the fact that uh, Dolphin used to be a person. Mm-hmm. Which I do is, love the bit where the captain's like second is like, hey, how far did you and the captain like you have no tax shut up? <laughs> <laughs> it was good. But I like that. Again, I always like just the it's been a running gag on Shark is like superhumanly strong. Not like Superman strong, but like Captain America strong. 
mm-hmm. with the one. Oh yeah, this is the rookie, and he's trying to play power games with. He's like, oh well, I see you're this division's rookie, so I'm going to try and jockey to be like I've been a rookie longer, so therefore you're under me. And then Shark just like you know is not playing into the game at all. It's just like, oh yeah, sure, I'll take all these bags. Which car are they going into? And he's like holding the mountain of luggage. <laughs> Over his head, yeah. We also find out about the Poesitricon, which are the seven relics that rule the seas. And it, like you said, it sets up the stakes for they're trying to get to them before the cult. Yep, and then we have the, the Sulkin Ruin. I did kind of like the, you know, it's just like, what? I've been, you know, swimming around here for ages. How did I not locate this under my, uh, with my sonar? And it being like, well, there was that sea quake that probably exposed the ruins. And it was like, it was like it unsealed the barrier. And they're just kind of like going with like almost video game logic, but actually making it make sense. Like, yeah, there was probably like a bunch of rocks in the way that you wouldn't have seen. You, you had to clear the hotel before the earthquake would happen, which would <laughs> unlock the next dungeon, obviously. Yes. Anything else you have to say on Hardboiled Cop and Dolphin? No. All right, then, that will bring us into Jump Card. Jump Card is the segment where we rank everything we read this week, not just what we talk about, from our least favorite up to our favorite. 21 chapters this week. So what do you have at number 21, Kevin? That's where I have me and Roboco. Okay, me too. I'm a little surprised. But I also just hated this chapter of me and Roboco. So. It literally angered me that this was a... a so my first reaction was, dude, I pay money so that I don't have to read ads. <laughs> fair enough i mean i can appreciate ad comedy so like that doesn't really make me angry i just thought it was a bad parody of the promised neverland yes there was that too that's all i was upset about like i, I kind of love jokes about advertisements but i also find advertisements inherently hilarious it's a weird thing about me i also pay not to uh see them because they're a waste of time that's kind of why i find them funny yeah, and it's like it's not that I inherently hate ads, and it was just the fact that it was a very bad parody of Promise Neverland, and it was yeah. like, yeah, it's advertisement for, and it's like, why would I go to me and Roboco for an advertisement in the Promise Neverland that has been running one shots to probably basically advertise the Promise Neverland movie? What if you didn't read last week? I don't know. It's not a good chapter. No. What do you have at number twenty? That's where I have a Gravity Boys. Me as well. I, I was expecting you to put it at 21, because I actually liked the penis joke last week, and it got tired immediately, this chapter. Yeah. Like I said, it was just the, the fact that Robico was an ad and mm-hmm. a poor parody at that. Yeah. Again, it's es- especially when Robico parodies something I really like and does it poorly, I really don't like it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can withstand you know people making parodies of the things that I like. But they but should be good. They should be good. You know, like 
Helsing Ultimate, I love Helsing Ultimate Abridged. I also like Helsing Ultimate. Like, the, you know, it's got to be a good parody, but I can yeah. absolutely enjoy somebody making fun of it. But And I like the A Gravity Boy stuff last week, even though I didn't like this one on a similar vein. To, yeah. To just be within medium. Yeah, that's fair. What do you have at 19? That's where I put High School Family. Same. It, it was better than the other two, for sure. It wasn't yes. funny. No. So. What do you have at 18? That's where I have our Blood Oath. Okay. I feel like they tried to introduce way too much, like, this chapter out of nowhere. Like, so we had, they're trying to humanize the villains now. And now we have another subset of vampire hunters and some mysterious old man that's like, nope, we can't have you guys interfering with my plans. It's like, okay, who are, like, half of you? Yeah. Yeah, I have it slightly higher, but very slightly. I have Mori King at 18. Fair. Because like we talked about last week, it kind of really took the wind out of the sails. And there was some stuff I liked about it. Okay, like I smiled at this in contrast to the stuff below it. But mm-hmm. I really like, I just want Mori King to end now. And I kind of liked Mori King. Yeah, I have Mori King at 17. I, That's where I, I put totally, our blood oath. Gotcha. I liked Mori King slightly more because it had a bit of that closing of the arc thing. And it was more upbeat. As opposed to our Blood Oath had just kind of this like, um, oh shit, I need to vomit characters at you. Yeah. What do you have at 16? That's where I put Undead and Unluck. And okay. this is where that, like you said, this is where that big break for me was. That's not where I put Undead and Unluck, but I agree. What I have at 16 is a huge jump over our Blood Oath, in my opinion. Yeah. And again, the thing that's really kind of bothering me about Undead and Unluck is that we're having this moment with Andy and Unluck. But this isn't Andy. This like, is like, imaginary. Unless it Andy. is. Unless it is. Like maybe but there there are plenty of explanations this series can give that makes sense for Andy to have this development, right? But it hasn't given them yet. Yeah. And so that's that's why I'm a little bit apprehensive. So that's why it's this very big mm-hmm. jump. I actually did rather like this was where stuff is fine, in my opinion. Like like you said, nothing wowed me. Mm-hmm. But this was fine. Uh huh. I got Sakamoto days at sixteen. Okay. This chapter is really hurt by the one two chapters ago. Like Chun Li, who I I heard that joke was cut when I made it last week, but I can't remember her real name. Is has a lot more agency and is much better than the female cop we got before, and she's clearly sticking around. And I kind of do like the idea of them slowly adding convenience store clerks until they actually have enough clerks to man the convenience store, a, a thing no convenience store actually has, uh, <laughs> I, which is how you yes. can tell this is fantasy. I also like the idea that their convenience store clerks will be not necessarily an assassin army, but like, heaven forbid, somebody tries to rob that store. Yeah, but I still just thought they kind of downplayed the female character here. There's stuff I liked for sure. Yeah, oh, that's that's totally fair. It's my number 15. Mm-hmm. I do kind of understand what you're talking about with that. But like, one of the moments I really liked for her was when she starts to work at the convenience store. And the mind reader is like, you're loaded right now. Why don't you sell some of that? It's my family's treasure. Why would I sell it? <laughs> yeah, that was bad. I got Phantom Sierra at 15. Kind of surprised I put it below you. I, I, I think it's fine. Like, I, I have the same exact opinion I've had on Phantom Sierra, which is I think there's potential here, and I hope it lives long enough to realize that, and I hope I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. What do you have at 14? That's where I put Build King. I just don't know that I'm completely grasping on to build king like 
I sort of like the idea of the super builders, and I also like the idea that it's just kind of hinted at, and this was, you know, kind of a theory of mine, but that this entire castle is actually a tooth. Mm-hmm. Because it's like the one, the actual builder apprentice is like, huh, this material feels like, and then, of course, his speech bubble gets cut off. But, yeah, and there's like the dragon reveal at the end. Yeah, so. it's like, oh, it's a dragon, and this happens to be in its mouth. Oh, this is a tooth. So that's how it has mm-hmm. all these holes, and that's like probably how they're going to have to go about working with it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm I'm interested, but this chapter didn't do too much for me. Mm-hmm. And again, it just kind of fell into the middle of like, yeah, I, I like I like some of this stuff. So I am. Somewhat interested in Build King. I'll keep reading it, obviously. But it's moved away from the potty humor, which is nice. So maybe we can get on to the super cool shonen building. Yeah, that would be nice. I agree with you. I got Black Clover at 14, and I'll be honest, Black Clover is like the most in one ear, out the other uh, shonen <laughs> manga, in my opinion, especially when it gets to the fighty stuff. You know, fought in this, right? And now, now yes. that I say that, I'm remembering what happened. Yeah. You know, fighting the guy who beat him. And they're having a Shodan quip off. Yeah. It's no, no Majin Buu, I came to kill you, but. No. And it's not much higher for me either. For whatever reason, I just didn't get interested in Yuno's fight. Yeah. So it was it, like. Oh, it seemed over real quick, too, for Yuno, the, the you know, Deuteragonist of this story. Deuteragonist, my mistake. Yes. I would agree with that as well. It was kind of like, haha. I have defeated you in a move. Although I don't think the fight is actually over, so. Maybe not. It definitely felt like it's over. Like, it definitely felt like, you know, especially because there's there's been, like, two weeks of training. It's like, look how much more powerful I've gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, That feels a little unearned. Because, like, yeah. you had a, t- you know, you had a six-month training montage, lost to this dude, trained for two days, and then beat him. Yeah, yep. What do you got at 13? That's where I put Phantoms here. Gotcha. I can't remember why I put it. I like I remember why I put it around this general area. I'm like you, I'm I'm hoping to see some of the potential. So hopefully it picks up. Yeah. That's where I put on Dead Unluck. I like this chapter a little more. I think I'm not over the stakes problem with Andy like we talked about, mm-hmm. but I'm more accepting of it now, I think. Like it wasn't like a shock here. It's just like Fair. okay, we're we're going with this. This the fight stuff is pretty okay. Yeah. What do you got at twelve? That's where I put Black Clover. Not really much else to say on it. You know, like, this chapter definitely felt like a lot of in one ear and out the other. I will totally mm-hmm. agree with that. Mm-hmm. That's where I put Dr. Stone. Okay. Yeah, it just, it didn't wow me. And it kind of felt like it failed on what it was trying to do. What do you add at 11? That's where I have Mashal. I liked it. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I laughed a little bit, but it wasn't like super funny. Yeah. That's actually where I put hard-boiled cop and dolphin. And I didn't say this when we were talking about it cuz I was kind of saving it for my ranking. Like you said this is all set up and the setup is fine. The real problem I think is that they're introducing way too many characters here. Like I like the captain and like the other girl who's teasing her about how she used to date Orpheus is fun. But like I feel like that's all we need. I feel like two characters would be a great addition here. But we've got like seven. And they really blend together. Yeah, that's fair. What do you got at 10? That's where I put Mission Yosakura. 
I I liked it, but it's we're still in kind of training arc thing. I did really like the we've got to trick them into bonding more together. Like I like that aspect of the grandpa and the grandpa and grandma getting at the medicine kids. Yeah, yes, and I have it higher, but at the same time, you, I don't feel like you need to trick Tayo and Mitsumi into bonding. They seem pretty bonded. Yeah, the, I feel it, like you, they just could have been like hang out in your room for like an hour. <laughs> you two should actually have sex. No, no Shonen Jump, Kevin. <laughs> Only Ayakashi Triangle is allowed to talk about sex. <laughs> I got Build King here. It, like I said, it's closer to what I want. Not quite as close as it was last week, but I, I feel like I enjoyed it. it, it again, again, a, a issue that a lot of stuff kind of was a near miss. Uh, Build King being on the upswing was uh, good enough to get it halfway up. Gotcha. What do you have at number nine? That's where I put Jujutsu Kaisen. Same, actually. It has a little bit of like wonky timeline thing. Yeah. Going I on. get what it's going for, but like on the first read, I was like, wow, this is a choice. Especially, I, I think it would have been a lot better if we hadn't missed that week of Jujutsu Kaisen last week. Yeah. But because you're already kind of, okay, what happened two weeks ago? It's disorienting, and then they do a disorienting thing on you. Yeah, that's definitely... Which is purposeful, but... Yeah. And I kind of like what it's setting up, but... It almost, like, I wonder how this will come out in a volume. Yeah, same. Because I'm wondering, are they going to put that little, the you know, the silly panels into the volume? And are they going to, like, put it smack dab in the middle? Or are they going to just kind of, you know, put it in the back? Yeah, I feel like if you put it in the volume, you absolutely put it in the back. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. And so I think it will read better there. Because like you said, it was like, I understand what they're going for with that disorienting thing. And I like, I forget the name of the... Villain. The villain. Because I know there's Mahito who gets, like, absorbed by the one guy's power, who's not even really that guy. He's actually, like, somebody inhabiting his body, Mm -hmm. if I remember right. Yeah, that's how I recall as well, although I don't know the guy's name. And we also know that that guy wants Itadori on his side. So Yes. Like, it sets up an interesting confrontation. But it sets up like it's going to flash forward to the end of the arc, which makes sense because that last chapter felt like a climax. But then it pulls you back. Yeah. So yeah, just like you said, a bit disorienting. What yep. do you have at eight? That's where I put Dr. Stone. I Not really much else to say. I do kind of like the moment of Kohaku saving Sukina? No. Sukia? Is that her name? The the melon girl? Yeah, I think so. Y- you know better than me. <laughs> sometimes names stick and sometimes they don't. I gotcha. But it, it was a pretty good chapter, Dr. Stone. I got Mashal at eight. Like I said, that last joke really got me, and there were some Fair. other good ones in there, too. Yeah. What do you have at Lucky Seven? Well, that's where I put Hardboiled Cop and Dolphin. Like I said, I liked some of the, the mysteries that they're setting up. Like, I like the fact that they were like, yeah, Dolphin used to be human. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's where I put One Piece. Definitely a better chapter than last week. And I'm excited for the next chapter, uh, irregardless of it being chapter 1000. But yeah, like I said, it's still in like a setup mode after a setup chapter. Totally fair. Uh, what do you have at six? One piece. Okay. That's where I put Mission Yozakura family. Gotcha. I like Tayo and Matsumi being cute. And we got some of that. Yeah. No. And like Matsumi being like denied Tayo for a minute. Like that's a super cute. Like <laughs> that where her grandpa and her are both like, no, I need to cling to my lover. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> She's being held back. Very funny. What do you have at five? That's where I put Hell's Paradise. Okay. I like Hell's Paradise. It just, this was kind of like an explanation of what's going to happen next, basically. Mm hmm. And so, like, I put it very high up, but I'm kind of like, I really want next week's chapter to see what's going to happen with Gabby Morrow. Uh huh. I might hear Academia here. Like we said, the bit where he's like, oh, I need to save Tomara really, really lands. And it's kind of like a good mission statement for the book going forward, I think. But mm-hmm. the the chapter around that is not as good as I would have liked. Fair. What do you have at number four? That's where I put Magu-chan. Okay. I really liked this, especially because it kind of subverted my expectations a little bit. And I was expecting all of Ruya's friends to get together and have Christmas together. And like, mm-hmm. you know, even if your mom's not here we can still be your family. And that still somewhat happens, but also Magu like, you know, destroys the snow so that <laughs> yeah. Rui can actually be with her mom. I was like, wow, that was kind of a really powerful moment of like, Hey, I am your God. Make a prayer. I will make it happen. Yeah. You can be a little bit more selfish. Yep. You are a good shonen girl. You can uh, ask for good things every once in a while. Like I, maybe I don't know. Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have, we never learn it for. Okay. Like I said, I, I quite enjoyed the chapter. I think I agree with you. It was a good way to end it. But when I look at the chapter on its own, like if you show this ending to someone, they're not going to think, oh, this was a great series. And not that I think you should show the last chapter to people as a way to start, but. That's fair. What do you have at number three? That's where I put Ayakashi Triangle. Same. It's like you said, good, super cute chapter. Really enjoyed the shenanigans. Mm-hmm. What do you have at number two? That's where I put my hero. Okay. I just really liked that moment of Deku kind of, oh, I need to save Tomura. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yep. I Like I said, I think it's a super good mission statement. It's super on theme for the book. Yep. I got Hell's Paradise it too. Okay. I agree with you. It is kind of set up for what happens next, but I'm really liking what feels like this final climactic fight. Yeah, no, it's Hell's Paradise is very good. All right. So what do you have at number one? That's where I put We Never Learn. I just think this was a great way to send off the the series. And like while I can see your points, I was like comparing it to other stuff that has ended. And it was like, I really rather enjoyed how this ended. And I don't like, yes, I am sad to see it go, but I'm not like, oh, man, I wish it could have been sent off better. Yeah. And so this really, I really like this bit. Yeah, I got Magu-chan at one. Basically for the stuff you talked about, but it was like genuinely emotionally powerful in mm-hmm. a issue of Shonen Jump where literally nothing else was other than the end of We Never Learn. And I'm mourning that that book is ending. Yeah. Maybe I should have put My Hero higher because it also had a bit of that. Yeah. I think about it. But like Magu-chan still, I think, was the clear number one this week because it did really well. And like you said, it has moments with all of her friends. And I like it's weird that the one that really got me was the like generic anime protagonist guy. Yeah. Being like, ah. Oh, Maybe I should go help her. Yeah, it was surprise. was surprisingly good, even though I was like, you know, last week it did very well. This was it subverted expectations in a good way, and yeah. I really liked it. Alrighty, that does it for Shonen Jump this week. We are reading One Piece Volume Four, like we said at the top, and we will be back to talk about that after the break.
So we read One Piece Volume 4. It's interesting to me how much longer this Usopp story is than the previous ones, because I'd never really thought about it. Obviously, as One Piece goes on, the story arcs get longer until they get so long that they can't anymore and they start to get shorter. But the previous uh, stories have all been under a volume, and we've been reading, like, this story does not conclude in this volume when it was started last week, or last volume, rather. Yes. Which makes it much bigger. I also think it's one of the weaker One Piece stories, but it's still really good. Yeah, I understand that as well, thinking that it's a little weak, yeah. I like, but, like, all the important stuff's still there. Like, the Kaya stuff, like the Kaya running from Django, which we don't actually get this cha- uh, volume, it's just set up. I'd forgotten how good that is, and, like, Kaya standing up to Kuro. Yep. But, like, the we're in sword drama with Zoro territory, where, like, he needs all three of his swords to beat somebody, which is not a story, I think that they would run anymore. And some of that is to show Zoro's growth, right? After that yes. time skip, one sword is enough for him. With three, he's just three times more deadly. Yes. Well, and I also like, like even as the series progresses, you know, at this part, he's like, I need all three all the time. And as the series progresses, he has one sword style, two sword, like he's got two sword techniques. Like I don't need to use all three. Even though it was in one of the movies, I really liked at one point he uses no sword style. Like somebody literally takes all of his swords and he just yeah. like does, you know, a martial arts move on a dude <laughs> and just like throws him through a building. Like, yes, I understand that eventually I need to like the sword is not the weapon I am. And I really mm-hmm. like that moment. Like, yes, of course, I want a sword. Like, who doesn't? But you take my swords away. I'm not screwed. And the big fulcrum point for that is the Hawkeye fight, right? Which is coming yes. up not too far from now. And like, oh, th- that might be the best fight in One Piece. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to it. But but even when when me and Roboco references that, it's powerful. And I'm like, oh, is me and Roboco good? No, no, One Piece is good. What are you talking about, Jeremy? But <laughs> I, I, I don't use a cannon to hunt rabbits. So yeah, and, and I think it's an obvious story and it sets up drama here. And like I said, it gives Zoro room for imp- to improve, and it's cool that he does. Yes. But also, you know, they, they fight a bunch of thugs, and then the, the Cat Brothers just come out of nowhere, like they were just hiding in the ship. And, and they just serve the role of giving Zoro someone to fight, so it's fine. But they're so much be- Odai's so much better at setting up the minions now. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely... Like, Django is kind of set up as yeah. a minion beforehand, yep. so having... To fight him is fine, but it's like, oh, the Cat Brothers. The who? Okay. Yeah, it's like, they're the ship guards. Why would you have your most powerful fighters be the ship guards against the town of, like, farmers? Yeah. Kind of dumb. Yeah, and like I said, the the, uh, the Kaya stuff is super good. The bit where Usopp tries to tell her, hey, Kuro is going to betray you, and she doesn't believe him, but then she realizes it's true and feels terrible about herself is super strong. The yep. sickly girl being like, yeah, no, I have to do this. Like, I have to try to save everybody is like the most shonen thing. Even her, like, they managed to make a sickly girl pulling out a pistol look awesome, right? Yep. Even though she unfortunately doesn't manage to do anything with it because she's in an anime where a pistol is worthless. Unless you're Usopp's dad, I think you can't do anything with a pistol. No, that's not true. There's plenty of people that do stuff with pistols. It's just, unfortunately, we tend to follow Luffy around, who pistols are useless against. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, some of Shanks' crew use pistols. There's the one, the really fat guy uses a pistol. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about him, but you're right. 
it's also there's like a lot of Dragon Ball Z energy here. I think like the bit where Luffy and Zoro don't get to the fight because they go the wrong way. It's yep. also super interesting that that becomes one of Zoro's. I don't want to say defining character traits, but that sticks on Zoro. And Luffy gets lost, but I don't think he ever gets lost because he's dumb like this again. He gets lost because he just kind of lets the world take him where it will. Well, this is actually that that's kind of the weird thing because Zoro doesn't actually get lost. He just gets oh, hit in huh. that oil trap. So it's actually Luffy who gets lost in this one because he doesn't know which way north is. And to be fair, that oil trap would not have worked on Luffy. He would have just stretched and yes. grabbed something. So you I, couldn't have stopped him that way. Yeah, and that's totally fair. But it, it's weird that Zoro suddenly, like, I want, I'm wondering when it will be that Zoro is the person that just constantly has the horrible sense of direction and just gets lost wherever he goes. Yeah, because I don't think it happens in Arlong because he gets there first and, like, he can't run into Luffy. Like, they keep missing each other. But it's not that he's lost. It's that he keeps going to where Luffy was five minutes ago. Yeah, and so I'm wondering if it's like a consequence of that and it's the next arc, or it'll be interesting when we get to it and be like, this, this is the moment where Zoro became the I don't understand directions guy. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of, I had a buddy who wanted to watch all of Two and a Half Men and find the episode <laughs> where Charlie Sheen snaps. <laughs> That's an interesting podcast idea. Yeah, it like not the specific episode, but he's like, I want to like find like... Where Sane Charlie Sheen ends and Insane <laughs> Charlie Sheen begins. And, like, where in that timeline of that show does it happen? Because it happened somewhere in the middle. Yeah. The only problem with that is Charlie Sheen does have a personal life, and it's not necessarily part of the show. Yeah, but it, it would just be like, it might even be between seasons. Like, he was fine this season and then not fine yep. this next one. Like I said, as real Dragon Ball Z vibes in that, that means that, you know, the strong people are not at the fight, so Usopp and Nami have to deal for a couple chapters before Goku arrives. Yep. Goku just happens to be two people, but then Goku falls asleep and Zoro has to do it also. Yes. Although, the hypnotist stuff with Luffy, genuinely funny. Yes. Like, good in the anime, even better in the manga where it's so much snappier. Yeah. Yeah, I really like, you know, you men become super powerful and <laughs> Luffy's the one who gets hit with it and even Nami's <laughs> like, it wasn't even aimed at you. <laughs> Yeah. And also, like, the covers. I wanted to talk about the covers, because the last cover in here is the first of the cover stories, which is a buggy story. But mm -hmm. other than that, they're, like, super Dragon Ball Z-esque, where if you look at Dragon Ball covers, Toriyama really, really liked vehicles, but was smart enough not to put them in his manga, so he didn't have to draw them a thousand times. But he would do covers where he only had to draw them once. And they are super technical and look super good. And there's a lot of that. There's this one really good one of Luffy, Nami, and Zoro snowboarding that I really liked, and just a lot of stuff like that before yeah. I think Odai really hits what his cover thing is going to be. Yeah, I really liked that one. I liked the all of them as like robots, like mm -hmm. giant mecha thing. And I do agree, like covers is definitely somewhere where it's like, yeah, I can go crazy on this because I only have to draw this once. Like mm -hmm. even even if I come up with a cool design, like speaking of uh, One Piece covers, I really like that. The color cover for this issue of Shonen Jump was One Piece, and it will form together with Chapter 1000 to f make a poster. Mm -hmm. Like they mentioned that, like, oh yeah, put this together with the color cover from Chapter 1000 of One Piece to form this cool poster. I was like, that's a super cool idea. Yeah. 
I kind of feel like I touched on everything I wanted to, really. Like I said, one piece is here, like as that, but the formula had been there the entire time. And this is the one that I, I think this is the story that has the most conveniences, because I really, really like the next one. And the one after that is when one piece really kicks off. Mm-hmm. The one thing I kind of want to mention is that Kuro feels like a very convenient villain right now, because it's, oh yeah, he's super powerful and bloodthirsty and he's going to kill us all. Except these kids that hit me with shovels. I don't care about them. They're only slightly annoying. Yeah, there's certainly some of that going on. And it was like, you you tried to murder the the other butler. And that is played for heavy drama, right? Where, like, Usopp's like, no, get out of here. Like, I tried to get rid of you kids to save you. Which is super good stuff for Usopp. Yeah, I I think that would have worked if they had just shown up. Like, you know what I mean? Like. if they just like made it to the cliffside and he does the, hey, I'm giving you the most important job of taking Kaya away. Like, okay, cool. I understand why he doesn't kill Kaya right now. He literally can't because mm-hmm. he needs her to write him into the will. But why would you have these kids literally smack him in the face? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's just a bit too much. Yeah. It's like you're trying to play them off as this dude, you know, even he says, yeah, I've gotten a little soft. I'll give you five minutes. But it was like, wasn't he this bloodthirsty pirate that used to murder everybody? Mm -hmm. That said, he does feel like a One Piece villain. He's probably the weakest One Piece villain, but he has got like that despicability, right? Yes. And that like grand plan. Yeah, I do really love the moment where Kai is like, I'll just give you my fortune if you leave. And he's like, no, I want peace of mind. Like, I want to get it legit. So that I'm not running from the Navy for the rest of my life. Yep. Yeah, I really like that moment, too, because that's exactly, you know, like, no, I would ra- I would not like to steal a million dollars. I would rather earn a million dollars. Now, yes, I'm doing that illegally, but nobody's yeah. going to come after me if I inherit a million dollars. I thought I was going to have more to say on this, but I don't know that I do, actually. It's you know pretty solid, but it's very center of this story. The setup was last week. The payoff will be next week. It's mostly the Zoro fight, which has some decent drama in it, but it's not the best Zoro fight we've seen. And the the like sword keep away gives Nami something to do and Usopp something to do, which is nice. But it's a very obviously constructed story, and I'm very glad One Piece got away from them. Even mm-hmm. though I think doing it once like this is totally fine. Yeah. Guess one more thing I want to talk about is I thought Luffy used Gatling gun. For the first time against Kuro, but like no, that, he uses it on the, the he uses it on the moves. pirates. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I thought that was the move, like because what One Piece tends to do is Luffy unleashes a new move when he's fighting the villain. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was the unveiling of Gatling Gun, but it, he uses it against the Mooks. So I'm wondering, it still might be a thing. Like, I mean, obviously he still ended fights with it, so it's not like you know he never uses it again, but. It was just one of those little disconnects of like, oh, I thought he used it for the first time against Kuro. Oh, well, I guess I was wrong. And, and this is the first Dynasty Warriors moment in One Piece, right? Where the main characters just destroy a bunch of mooks. Yeah. Which is not a super common trope of the series, but from now on it happens plenty, right? Yeah. It's not every story arc, but it's not unusual for it to happen. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about a lot of the One Piece villains is... Uh, most of them do not do the horde of mooks. Like, you know, it's... Alright, it's the villain and, like, ten competent people along with him. Not like, I hired, like, a hundred thugs. But, you know, heaven forbid we fight anybody with any kind of skill. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very shonen idea, but I like it as well. Yeah. 
Anything else you want to say on One Piece? Uh, still fun. Like I said, this is maybe the weakest arc in One Piece, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. No, probably it, not. Like Probably something like Zoe is actually weaker, but that's not for a long time. Yeah. I don't know. I I would not want to rank all of oh, the yeah, One Piece, One Piece arcs. arcs. No, absolutely not. Like That just sounds like a nightmare to me. It's a lot of arcs, and, and it's a lot of, man, Dressrosa and uh, Alabaster are kind of the same, and they're both kind of the best thing ever. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, one of them does have Trafficker D Water Law. That's pretty cool. But the other one does have that bit where they're all holding up their hands with the X's at the end. Yeah, so I would not want to do that. But I this does feel maybe a little weak, but like you said, still super enjoyable. And I'm looking forward to the next time we read One Piece. And it's not that I'm looking forward to moving on, but. The next arc is so much better, and then yeah. the arc after that is so much better than that. Yeah. And then it kind of dips down for a little while, but then you get into the lead-up to Alabasta, which I just said is incredible. Yeah, so always super, except like like I've said, I, I think I mentioned it, uh, this will be like my third time reading through One Piece. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's something that I really love reading, and while I don't, you know, I'm not constantly going back. Yeah, let me go reread through all the early chapters. It's something that I'm looking forward to this time. Yeah. All right. I think that just leaves us with personality power level, unless there's something else you want to say. Nope. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the top is Uzumaki Naruto. He, he told Odai good luck one time. At, at the bottom is Koku from Flame of Rekka. He's like a worse Master Roshi, basically. Mm-hmm. In the center, we have Buggy the Clown and Red from Pokemon Adventures. Who do you want to add this week? I'm leaning towards Usopp. He, he makes sense. I feel like it's Usopp or Kuro. Do we want to put someone real high or real low? I kind of don't want to put Kuro on the list, uh, necessarily. Fair. Like, if I, like, like Buggy, I am absolutely happy putting Buggy on the list because he's one of those recurring One Piece villains, but Kuro really isn't. Uh, technically, I think he shows up later at some point, but... I think we've seen him reading the paper and reacting a couple times, but he yeah. hasn't done anything. Yeah, it's which is fine, you know, like, oh yeah, that guy, but like, I'd much rather have, you know, people that like come back and are still connected to the story if we're going to do the villains. Yeah, I, I just think one-off villains are still worth ranking in some cases. Like, Cell, for example, doesn't come back, but certainly yeah. belongs on the list when we get to him in a thousand years. <laughs> that was something that I was going to mention was I feel like Kuro doesn't really have an impact. Yeah, that's fair. You know, versus like... Like, uh, Django will rank higher than him if they both end up on the list, right? Yeah. And some of that is Django comes back, so... Some of, some of that is, but also just in this arc, I think Django is better. Yes. Django I want to see come back. All right, uh, so we're going to go with Usopp? Yeah, let's go with Usopp. So Usopp's the best straw hat, no contest, right? <laughs> he's he's real good, yeah. None of the other ones ever got held up by a giant while bleeding and got called God, and then got the highest uh, bounty from Doflamingo, and then was called God Usopp on his official wanted poster. <laughs> N- none of the others defeated Perona because he's they're always depressed. <laughs> that was so good. He's yeah. like, oh no, I'm scared of ghosts. Why don't my powers work on you? I'm always depressed. <laughs> None of the else became Soge King. None of the else are <laughs> made up an alter ego who is the king of Sniper Island. 
With his own theme song. Yes. <laughs> Usopp and Krillin, and I think, are incredibly comparable. They are both kind of the character that make it all work, right? Yeah. And they're both, like, they do it in very similar molds. I think Usopp is a better Krillin, though. Mostly because Odai is better at using Usopp in situations, whereas a problem with pretty much all Dragon Ball characters is that they fall off and stop contributing. Uh, Krillin endures a lot longer than most, yeah. but it still happens to him. Yes, that's whereas totally fair. One Piece has almost the opposite problem, as we were talking about recently, where everybody is still around. But that means Usopp's gotten a lot of really good moments. Right above Krillin, we have Sasuke from Naruto, and that's a harder sell for me. Because Sasuke is also the ingredient that makes Naruto work. That's totally fair. There, there's a thing where Sasuke ha- and Sasuke can hold arcs, right? There are entire yes. arcs all about Sasuke, and I wish there weren't. Honestly, I think those are some of the weakest parts of Naruto. But at the same time, I don't want that for Usopp. And I, I just was like talking about how great I think Usopp is. Yeah, but Usopp kind of has to be like One Piece. Kind of has to revolve around multiple people in a right, like it, not necessarily the Straw Hats, but like. When they're the Straw Hats, they're multiple people playing off one another, even if they're only focusing on a couple. I mean, that's true of Naruto, too, right? Which is why when Sasuke gets his own arc, he gets his own little crew. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. It's just a hard sell for me. My leaning is that he goes below Sasuke, but what do you think? That's that's a really tough one. I, I mean, for sure. We're, we're, in, we're talking about if he goes in the top five or is he's number six. It should mm-hmm. be very tough. I think I kind of... I, I think I will agree with the Sasuke going above, and some of that is, while Usopp has definitely had some great growth throughout the whole storyline, I think Sasuke's is just more deep. That's fair. I think that's very fair. So Usopp will go at number six, above Krillin, and below Sasuke Uchiha. Probably going to be the highest ranking character from One Piece, if we're honest. I really, really like Crocodile, but I don't think he goes above Usopp. Probably not. Alrighty. So there is no Shonen Jump next week, but we are going to be back with a special year in review episode. See if we like doing those. Maybe there will be another one next year. Until then, our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt www.lastpodcast.com is our website where you can check out our other podcasts, including It's a Gundam and Last Time on Video Games. Me and Kevin are just about done releasing all of the What's a Gundam episodes on Gundam Wing we've done so far. So if you want to check those out, you can. Anything you want to plug this week, Kevin? Nope. Have a great week, everybody. That's actually where I have Mashal. You are cutting off real bad.
that's where I had Mashal. Kevin, Kevin, are you there? Kevin, Kevin! Can you hear me at all? Now, now I can. Okay. <laughs>